Welcome to the Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. Here's your host, Brian Buffini. Well, the top of the morning to you. Thanks for joining me on today's podcast. I'm going to share with you a content from a live presentation I did fairly recently. It's called Building Your Happiness Plan. Now, that might almost seem like a contradiction in terms because people think happiness just happens. But I'm going to share with you, life just happens. It helps to have a plan. It helps to have an idea. Now, it doesn't mean everything goes according to plan. Someone used to say, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. But the happiness plan is almost like, here's what I'm trying to get accomplished. Here's how I'm trying to live. And I'm in case of emergency, break glass. And the bottom line is, there's an awful lot of people in this world today struggling. Antidepressants are the most commonly prescribed medications. The fact of the matter is, a lot of us are striving, a lot of us are living, but not everybody feels too happy. Well, I hope today's content is really going to help you. This is about building your happiness plan. And if we can help you be just 5%, 10%, 15% happier, well, boy, we've had a good time together today. So enjoy, take notes, and apply. We're going to focus on happiness, and we're going to set goals around happiness. Happiness. It's a mental or emotional state of well-being, characterized by positive or pleasant emotions ranging from contentment to intense joy. A mental or emotional state of well-being. So it's a mental state. That's your thinking. Your emotional state, and it's of well-being. Okay, it's of well-being. You might want to underline or circle those words, well-being. It's not perfection. It's not bliss. It's characterized by positive or pleasant emotions. It's not always bliss. You know, you first fall in love, love deepens and changes. Oh, we're not in love the way we were. It deepens, it changes. Happiness, it's not this always this mountaintop experience. The human being is not designed to live like that. We have brain waves. We have emotional waves. We have neurotransmitters that come in waves. There's peaks and valleys and highs and lows in all things. There's highs and lows in happiness. There's higher happiness. There's moderate. There's lower happiness. It has waves to it. So don't, when you have, oh, I'm not at this blissful state, I must not be happy. Because, here's the thing. Let me just give you this, Americans. When you don't know what else to do, you study psychology. <laughs> What's your major? Don't know I'm studying psychology. Why? The classes are easier. Hello? How many of you have a psychology major? Raise your freaking hands. How many of you have kids who are studying psychology? Let me see your hands. Yeah, I get it. And so there's, read all the pop psychology, and there's tons of this and tons of that and tons of this and tons of that. So there's a million people who tell you what's wrong with you if you're not in a blissful state. Are you guys hearing me? That's not what being happy is. Now, I'm going to share with you this. I'm going to talk to you about happiness, and I'm going to use a lot of people who lived some time ago. I'm not going to quote very much pop psychology, modern psychology today. I'm into principles, and principles last a long time. Okay, one of the amazing things about this country is you're promised something. What is that? What's the first thing you promise? Life. Very good. Now, one of the dudes involved in that said this. 
said the Constitution only guarantees you the right to pursue happiness. Watch this. You have to catch it yourself. You have to catch it yourself. That's not some pop psychologist talking about it. You're guaranteed the right to pursue happiness. That's a right. You got to catch it yourself. You got to go get it. You got to go get it. Happiness does not knock on your door and say, here I am. And here's the thing about happiness. Let me tell you what happiness is not. First, it is not a genetic disposition. It is not a genetic disposition. There are many people who believe this image right here. There are some people just born with smiley faces. Okay, now let me ask you, because what, here's what happens. Happiness and personality are not the same thing. Are there people with perky personalities? Yeah. There's sunshine and winter. There's all the above. Okay? So it's not a genetic disposition. Listen, if it was a genetic disposition, it couldn't be promised to us as a right. These people were wise when they were putting this stuff together. Next, happiness is not dependent on other people. It's not dependent on other people. Something's got to happen with this other person for me to be happy. Okay? Your happiness cannot be dependent on someone else. Then you have just given over your rights. If this person does this, then I can be happy. You no longer can catch it. You can no longer pursue it. You have given over your autonomy over your pursuit of happiness and delegated to someone else who's not you. I need my kids to do this so I can be happy. Really? I need my wife to do this, my spouse to do this. I need this to happen. I need this person to do this so I can be happy. Your happiness is not dependent, listen, on anyone else at all. It's not. Happiness is not contingent on certain outcomes. This is something I call the if-then syndrome. If-then syndrome. If I make an extra hundred grand, then I'll be a little happier. If I pay off these credit cards, then I can be happier. If I lose this weight, then I can be happier. It's contingent on these other things. Our happiness is not dependent on anything or anyone. Zippo. Zippo. That's why this happiness thing is not flighty. It's not. You know the Saturday Night Live skits. I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. Which is what some folks categorize you guys as because you go to seminars. Oh, by the way, I go to seminars too. That's who we are because we are just flighty people. Let me tell you this. The strongest characters I have ever met are people who've made a deep, deep commitment and resolve to live a happy life. That is tough. It's easy to be a cynic. It's easy. Our culture reveres the cynic. When they do American Idol back in the day, Simon Cowell is the one. All the singers come out and they all cater to the cynic. I got to get Simon to like me. Simon is considered the most sophisticated judge because he's the most critical. We often live like that. I'm going to tell you, happiness requires some toughness. It requires some toughness. 
And we're going to talk about how to get that toughness. Happy tough. Happiness is not a constant state. As blissful a life as my wife enjoys. It's not a constant state. She has problems. Right? Right, babe? Difficulties? I love the old Zig Ziglar line. Zig talked to Beverly and having a conversation. And he says, uh, Beverly, do you ever wake up grumpy? And he, she said, no, I just let him sleep in. <laughs> See, guys, when you dig your way in, you've got to be able to dig your way out. And make her laugh. It's not a constant state. Here's a beautiful quote. Heraclitus said this, no man ever steps in the same river twice for it's not the same river and he's not the same man. So what do we want? We want these blissful highs permanently. We want this constant state where it's never interrupted. It's just not reality. And when we have this expectation, oh, maybe something's wrong with me. And if something's wrong with me, you'll find a million books and a million psychologists who'll tell you why. And by the way, there's some brilliant psychologists, right? But there's a million people who'll tell you why. And there's a million shows on TV that'll tell you why. Here's why you're not in bliss all the time. I've been there. I'm in this circuit. How many hundreds of speakers have I brought to our events and done this and met all these people? I've seen the panels. Five best-selling authors asked in front of a television audience, have you ever had a bad day? And every single one of them said no. Because that's what their book says. And that's book shelf. <laughs> you just got to be born with this, don't you? And just... My mother said, there's one of you on every street corner back here in Dublin, Brian. Don't tell them. Here's the other part. Here it is. You ready? Happiness is not just for others. It's just not for others. There's a difference between thinking you deserve to be happy and knowing you are worthy to be happy, said Oprah Winfrey. There's a difference. So what is happiness not? Read it out with me. It's not... It's not... It's not... It's not... And it's not... Which means it's for who? Yeah, baby. And we're going to... We're going to go catch it. Here's what happiness is. You ready? This is big boy, big girl stuff. This is not flighty stuff. It is a choice. It is a choice. Happiness is a choice. Robert Holden, Britain's foremost philosopher on the subject, he's the British Sean Aker. And they actually worked together on some projects. And he said, some people chase happiness and some people choose happiness. Just choose it. So make a decision. Here's the second one. Happiness is an attitude. It's an attitude. The great Paul Simon. I've got nothing to do today but smile. I've got nothing to do today but smile. Paul Simon's big in our home right now. For whatever reason, years ago, when Alex, everyone calls him Alex, but for me, he's always been Al. 
And so I introduced him to Paul Simons, you can call me Al. So it's funny, now he's gotten into it, right? Nothing like having a song written for you, right? And he's singing along and singing along. And I, and I thought, this is cool and this is great and whatever else. And then he was in with his buddies and they were all getting together and he had his song on and they're like, what are you, 40? <laughs> sorry, kid, sorry. Drew you into my world there for a second. Happiness is an attitude. It's also a commitment. A commitment. Okay, I want to introduce you to this pop psychologist on the subject of happiness who knew his share of tragedy and difficulty, Abraham Lincoln. Folks are usually about as happy as they make their minds up to be. Folks are usually about as happy as they make their minds up to be. Here's the problem. I love y'all, and I love you enough to tell you that we totally have no excuses. It is a good life. Not blissful, constant state, not always great. There are clouds and there are silver linings. They're both. But it is a commitment. It's also a byproduct. I talked about breathing in oxygen, breathing out carbon dioxide. It's a byproduct. It's a byproduct. Another pop psychologist, Henry Ford. Wealth, he said, is like happiness. It's never attained when sought after directly. Now, he talked about the wealth part. It comes by a byproduct of providing a useful service. Here's my question to you. What do you think happiness is a byproduct of? For me, I believe it's in the attempt, the daily attempt to live an inspired life. The daily attempts to live an inspired life, the byproduct of that is happiness. You know what? I know people who are retired, who play golf every day, who have all their bills paid for, who are financially set, who are miserable beyond description. Now, some of you would like to go, I'd like to try that. I'd like to try a little bit of that misery. Are you with me? Does that mean that everybody who plays golf and does this? No. My dad's happy as a clam. He's happy as a clown because his inspired life is involved in relationships, involved in his kids, involved in his grandkids, okay? He's involved in these things that make a difference for him and for others. He's pursuing his own version of inspired life, and he would no more think he's pursuing an inspired life than the man in the moon. My dad's a happy guy. The humor gene comes through my dad. My dad knows how to laugh harder than anyone I know. Okay? He's a very happy guy. But it's a byproduct of doing these other things. Roger Strader, who's been a coach at the company for years, he produces Mastermind, the writing music. Roger's written all that music, and he has a fabulous, fabulous history and career in music. And I'll say to Roger, how you doing? And Roger's a good old boy. He's got cowboy boots and the belt buckle looks like a manhole cover. And he'll go, if I were any happier, I'd have to be twins. It's just a great response. It's an automatic response. I'm not sure he always feels that way. But when he says that, I think something happens. Are you guys with me? Like even in your little dialogues, those little choices. 
Now, the deeper aspects of how you can ground this. So happiness to me is a kite. Every kite needs a string. So here's when I found I'm happiest. And I've seen this as we've coached and trained people when I've seen people the happiest. And I'm going to give you to what I believe is in order priority. Okay? So number one would be when people are most happy. So number one is when you're growing. Human beings are a living force. All living forces are designed to grow. You see a plant or you see flowers. Or you, see, you see something that's growing and say, oh, that looks healthy. It looks alive. It looks vibrant. Remember we started the whole thing. The first symptom of an uninspired life is feeling stuck. When you feel stuck, you don't feel like you're what? You're growing. Growing is a fantastic thing. And that's why sometimes you're growing internally before you're growing externally. Don't get caught up in just the results. The old illustration of the old Japanese bamboo tree. And you plant it and you water it and you fertilize it and it doesn't break ground for sometimes five years. And once it starts breaking ground, it can grow up to 100 feet in 100 days. Because the whole time it was putting down roots. You know, some of us are people who put down roots and some are people who shoot up straight away. We've seen this with working by referral. We have people who on the way home from the event started calling their database and got referrals. We've seen it. We've also seen people who plugged away and plugged away and, uh, I don't know if this is working, I don't know, I'm ready to give up. And those were amongst the people who ended up with the biggest businesses in the whole system. So don't confuse the outcome with the growth. The only thing you can control is your attitude and your effort. And if you keep showing up and putting in the effort, you've got to trust that the growth has taken place, even if you can't see it. You know, when I first was on the road building Buffini and Company and traveling around, and I'd go and I'd be gone for a week or 10 days and I'd come home and I'd see this change in the kids. And it used to kill me a little bit, but I'd see this change in the kids. And Beverly, no, no, they were doing that before you left. I'm like, no, they weren't. Because she was there every day. She didn't get to see the moment by moment growth, but I'd be gone a week and I'd come back and I'd see this huge change. Does this make sense? We can't see our own growth. Things help like reading your old journals. Things help by you examining the goals you've checked off. Things help like that. But we as human beings cannot truly ascertain our own growth. That's why it's helpful to have a coach. That's why it's helpful to be part of a community. That's why it's helpful to get feedback. That's why it's helpful to write goals, set goals, and achieve goals. I don't feel like I'm growing, but it turns out I am. And then the results come. Eleanor Roosevelt said it this way. People grow through experience. If they meet life honestly and courageously, this is how character is built. This is a remarkable woman. I'm going to tell you this. Eleanor Roosevelt, because I'm a guy who's always searching for quotes and wisdom and so on and so forth. She wasn't the prettiest gal in the world. Her husband was not faithful to her. She had all kinds of challenges growing up and this and that and the other. I'm going to tell you this. Her husband was this three-time elected president and so on and so forth. I'm going to tell you this is a fact. When I go research and I find 10 times the number of quotes from Eleanor Roosevelt than I do from her husband who was a three-time president. Because she had to go through some stuff. She had to grow through some stuff. She had her character developed. She learned this stuff firsthand and the profundity is part of the legacy she's left. A fabulous woman who had a fabulous impact that on the outside, things didn't look like it was always going so good. Are you guys with me? Turns out she was living an inspired life. Next, when you're achieving. So you grow first, then you achieve. That's kind of the the order of things. Again, modern psychologist Abraham Lincoln said, 
that some achieve great success is proof to all that others can achieve it as well. Next, aligned. Aligned. Now, I talked about yesterday in that circle of faith and values. What do you value when you're aligned? Then you get peace or more peace. You know, I'm really committed to my family. How does that show up? I'm really committed to my health. Okay, how does that show up? I really want to give back. Okay, how's that showing up? We have a Canadian novelist by the name of W.P. Kinsella who said this. This is for my Canadians. Success is getting what you want. Happiness is wanting what you get. Healthy. I'm happiest when I'm healthy. Number five, connecting. We're happiest when we're connecting. John Lennon, he sang about it. Count your age by friends, not years. Count your life by smiles, not tears. Okay, here we go. Two little exercises for you. We're going to do two exercises together. The first exercise is a helpful exercise. The second exercise could be for some life-changing exercise. Okay? So, I'm sharing all these things. I want to pull out of you and pull onto a piece of paper. Yesterday, we talked about these seven traits that you admire in others that it turns out you have and the opportunity to have more of them. So here's what I want you to do. We're just going to write in a stream of consciousness, okay? The greatest writers in the world. Ulysses was written by James Joyce, and he wrote in the stream of consciousness. We help create the stream of consciousness by this soft, Baroque-style music that allows you to relax, just so you can... The first things that come out of your mind through the pen are what's important. So here's the questions. When have I been growing? When have I been happy achieving? When have I been happy? When things were aligned in my life. It seemed like what I was trying to do and who I wanted to be was aligned. When have I been healthy? When have I been connecting with people? Friendships that were rich and relationships that were good. Don't get caught up in regret. Don't get caught up in pain if something's happened or not happened or gone away. Focus on that moment of when. And we're going to build upon it. So just write whatever comes to your mind. When have I been growing? When have I been achieving? Aligned, healthy, connected. I'm going to give you a few minutes. Write the first things that come to your mind. If you get stuck, move on with the next one and try to circle back. Away you go. How are we doing? Just to give a little encouragement to everybody in the room. Everybody processes and downloads differently. You will have more thoughts on this subject in the next 48 hours than you had in the last four minutes. So as it comes to you, make sure your workbooks are handy or little notepads handy. These thoughts are going to hit you. When they come, it's real important. Listen, it's real important you capture them. Now, there can be associations of what happened between then and when. I was happiest when I had this going on, I had that going on. And this could be a regret exercise if you'll let it be. But that's not what it's all about. Part of your past is the fuel for your future part of your past. All of our pasts are not all of our future. And some of it's not fuel. Some of it needs to be forgiveness. Some of it needs to be forgetfulness. Sometimes you just got to move on. But there's part of our past is absolutely power for the future. Because I did it before I can. I can do it again. You know, I feel great confidence for the real estate community. Because here's what I will tell you, and I've said this for two decades. 
My biggest concern with real estate agents is they weren't business people. And we have fought, bought, scratched, and clawed to try to turn through our coaching program and training programs to turn salespeople into business owners. How many of you had reserves going into the recession? How many of you would not have had reserves going into the recession? How many of you had no reserves when you met us? How many of you, your credit card didn't process when we tried? <laughs> to turn salespeople into business people. Let me tell you this. This recession did more to help salespeople get a mind towards being business people. Is that true? And it's like, hey, I get that kind of success. I get those kind of resources. There's things you learned. These lessons you learned during these depths, during these valleys, during these difficulties, during these circumstances. So the when, it's not to get stuck up in the when and then all the regrets in between. It's okay, that's there. And now I'm better equipped. I have more experience. I have more wisdom. I have a little, little time has gone by. Now I have, I did it before I can and better. I did it before and I can do it again and better. I did it before, I can do it again and Now, this is going to help. Simple as can be. It's going to help. What does the term 2020 mean? What are you associated with? Vision. Right? Clear vision. Clear vision. Okay? Well, I had the LASIK surgery. I have better than perfect vision now. It used to be, you know, 2400 type thing. All right. So 2020, 2020 vision. Well, we are going to set a goal for 2020. We want a clear vision for the year 2020. I have two sets of instructions for this next goal writing exercise. For those who are sub 50, you're going to go and write a goal by 2020. Here's where I want to be. For those who are over 50, you're going to write a 2020 goal and you're going to write things that are going to happen between now and 2020. Everybody with me? So if you're under 50, I'm going to take you right now out to 2020. We're going to go live there. If you're over 50, I'm going to take you out here to live there, but you're going to look back at all the things that happened in between. Everybody with me? Okay. So under 50, it's a destination. Over 50, it's a journey. Is everybody with me? All right. Here's what I want you to do. Sit up in your chairs. Nice and straight. Nice deep breath. In through the nose. Out she comes. One more time. It's 2020. It is 2020. And you have had spectacular years back to back. Your spiritual life, your family and your relationships, your friendships, people you've reconnected with, family relationships have been restored, heightened, enhanced. Love and enthusiasm, fun, your career, your business, you're fulfilling your gifts, you're using your talents, you're being compensated to the fullness of the effort you put out. All the debts are gone, the assets have been built, and you've acquired some things you've always wanted to acquire, gone and done some things you've always wanted to do, taken some trips you've always wanted to take. Personally, you're doing great. You couldn't be any happier if you were twins. If you're under 50, I want you to take yourself there to 2020, the age you will be, and describe the happiest possible life for yourself, spiritually, relationally, 
vocationally, fiscally, and personally. If you're over 50, I want you to be standing at August 2020 looking back, telling a great friend of all the great things that have happened, fabulous things that have happened in all your areas of your life. You're truly happy. Happiest you've ever been. I want you to describe that happiness in the form of a goal. Come on back to me. Look up. We're going to play this soft, classical, Baroque-style music to relax the right side of your brain. And just take yourself out there to 2020. If you need to, you can close your eyes and go back there again to try to get a picture. 2020, clear vision. It's a happiness goal. It's a smile on your face. And you're living this inspired life. As best you can, even if you get one thought, get it down. Away you go. Okay, good stuff, good stuff. Did you get a little picture of what could be? Now, how are you going to get there? There's a great principle called one day at a time. The days are long, the years are short. The days are long, and you think you're not making any progress, and I'm not making any improvement, and I'm not getting anywhere. The days are long, the years are short. So how are we going to get there? One day at a time. So I'm going to give you a formula to break down your 2020 goal. And it's based off of Sean Aker's book. And I actually sent this to Sean, and he sent me a big thank you note. He said, thank you for reading my book and putting it into a, such a simple format. Because when he would try to help people with this, he'd try to give them it all. And I said, I'm, I work with realtors. It has to be... <laughs> so I'm going to... I synopsized his book for him, and now he's fired up to go teach it. Five tips for daily happiness. I'm going to give them to you. This is how you get to your goal. 2020 vision. First, meditate to start your day. However you go about that. Whatever your faith tradition is, whatever it isn't. Silence, thinking, whatever it is. There's many, many great resources out there. Silence has power to it in a world that is absolutely allergic to silence. And you can't have your phone near you unless you're going to use it as a timer. Are you with me? Bev and I, we have two Koa Wood rocking chairs. And we start our day in the Koa Wood rocking chairs and the iPhone has a timer on it and it's 20 minutes. And we sit in silence. That's how we start our day. And then I talk for the next 23 hours and 40 minutes. (laughs) You didn't have to nod on that one. Number two, exercise for 20 minutes a day. Just 20 minutes, whatever that is, whatever that looks like. And the longest living people in the world are not uh, triathletes. But they are people who move every day. 20 minutes. Write down three things you're grateful for on a daily basis. This change your world. Change your world. Just three things you're grateful for. Three things you're grateful for. Send a note or email encouraging one person a note or email encouraging one person you send out an email all you have to do is add one line of encouragement and check the box can you do that how many of you do that now and then describe one new positive experience you've had over the past 24 hours just one new positive you want to write it down remember it record it in a phone 
Five simple little tips. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. The days are what? The years are? Well, 2020. Be here before we know it. I thought at 2000 the whole world was supposed to end. Or we were supposed to have flying cars. 2020 will be here before we know it. And it will get here quick. It seems like the older you get, life's like a toilet roll. When you get closer to the end, it seems to spin faster. Have you noticed that? When I was 13, everything was slow. 2020 vision, that 2020 vision for your life. How many of you wrote something that excites you? Could I see your hands? How many of you wrote something that gives you hope for the future? I want to share with you a story about 2020 vision, a story I haven't told in seven years of how I got my 2020 vision connected to goals. Has anyone here ever heard me tell the story about getting LASIK surgery? Let me see your hand. How many? Not many. Great. I don't know that my mother and father-in-law have ever heard this story. But it's all around goals. And my whole life, I wore glasses. 14 years of age, a switch flipped, and I just couldn't see distance anymore. I mean, it was bad, and I hauled off as long as I could. We'd sometimes be training in teams in the dark, and I'd be running around after the wrong person. So finally got the glasses, and that was a whole scene, and I never liked it, never enjoyed it, because I was only ever going to get one pair. You follow me? And so I had one that they were up like this, and they'd been, you know, I mean, mangled and bangled so many times. And so uh, when I first met Joe, Joe thought I was a welder because I had these big glasses. <laughs> so I'm out speaking. When I was out speaking for years, I had glasses and the whole thing, and it was at the end of the Dallas turning point. I think it was in 2000. It might have been 2001. And uh, one of our great clients, Daryl Day, comes up to me. Because I had just talked to the audience about setting goals. And sometimes, you know, you set your goals, you achieve goals. But some of them take a little more time. And he goes, Brian, what's a goal you've set that you haven't got around to? And I was just talking to him. And I go, oh, I don't know. And he goes, Give me an example. It really helped me. I go, okay. And I actually had my journal with me. And I'm looking through it. And I go, well, for the last year and a half, I kept saying I was going to get LASIK surgery. And I had researched the doctor and this and that and the other. But I didn't like the idea of someone operating on my eyes. You know that kind of a deal? So Daryl goes, well, y'all just talked to all these people in Texas about going after goals and this and that and here. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> True story. I'm getting on the plane. I call my assistant, Becky Buchan, who just after 15 years of tireless service just retired. She's with me today, Miss Becky. My girl. And I go, Becky, I'm flying home tonight. I said, call this doctor, set up an appointment. I'm having LASIK surgery tomorrow morning. So when I get to it, I'm like, I know I got to do it now. No other way. So anyhow, I get home. By the time I land, I get this kind of sheepish message on my voicemail. Uh, hi, Brian, it's back. Just so you know, um, it turns out they can't operate on you without seeing you first. Um, <laughs> they need to see if you qualify for the surgery and all that kind of stuff, you know, if your eyes are good and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, so next day I go down, she'd made me an appointment, I go down, and it turned out I qualified for the surgery because I had the five grand, and that was the only qualification. <laughs> so I'm like, all right. They go, well, we got this waiting list. I said, nope. I said, I'm going now. Well, we operate on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and it was a Tuesday. I said, let's go Thursday. So next day I'm in. So they give me this little thing. They tell me how to prepare. And the thing you have to do is you got to take this Valium. You got to be relaxed and whatever else. They send out drivers to come get you. And whatever. Bev says, no, I'll drive you. Okay, babe. So I take the Valium. She's driving down. We're talking, whatever else. 
And I'm fairly relaxed. I am. But I walk in the door, and as I'm walking in, there's 45 people in the waiting room. And I'm walking up to the receptionist. I'm kind of waiting. I'm filling this stuff out. Have you ever seen 45 people on Valium? (laughs) And I'm kind of at the counter, and I'm like, hey, am I supposed to be like this? She goes, you take your Valium? I said, yeah. I said, well, you know, I'm thinking, you know, I've drank a lot of Guinness. Maybe I built up an immunity or something, you know? And I go, I- I'm not feeling, like these people are all three sheets to the wind. I'm not feeling that. And she goes, it's supposed to relax you. I said, I'm uptight right now. This medicine's not working on me. And she goes, really, you're feeling nothing. I said, I'm uptight right now. She goes, okay, I'm not supposed to do this. You take another one. All right, all right. Take another one. And then they drum you off and they bring you en masse into this room and you watch this video on how your arms and legs are going to fall off and you're going to die, but you can't sue them and all that stuff, right? So now these people are like gargle-faced. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like at the fraternity gig and I'm like the designated driver. You follow me? So I walk out, the door opens up and the gal comes over to me. She goes, are you feeling the effects of it? I don't feel nothing. She goes, we're taking you first right now. We're taking you first. So I go in. It was kind of an amazing thing. If you've ever had this thing, it takes about 90 seconds. Then you feel this water and it's zip, zip, and they zip, 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 boom. And it was over. And then they put these goggles on you, the tiny little pinholes. So you can't really see more. You can see this little stuff, right? So, but you kind of walk like this. So Beverly is right there. She wanted to see it. And I'm well insured. So she was, you know. Either way, she was going to have a good day. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so she gives me a link. So we're linking out like this. I'm kind of walking. I'm kind of walking, kind of walking. And I can hear all the people giggling and carrying on and cracking up on the other side of the door in the waiting room. But when the door opens, it goes silent. Because one of them is next. <laughs> and as I'm standing there, linking my bride, I looked at her and I couldn't resist. And I went, You're black! I couldn't resist. <laughs> Best audience, by the way, I ever had. I mean, I don't want to offend you, but 45 people on Valium caught up that night. <laughs> the best, they were laid out. I signed them all up for coaching right then and there. So, I have no idea where to go after that. Here's what I want to tell you. It's a good life, isn't it? It's a good life. And we got to enjoy it, and we have choices to be happy. We have choices to be happy and live the good life. You know, one of the gifts that my bride and I have together, we don't take ourselves too seriously. The things that I would say earlier in our marriage used to drive us a little crazy, now it's kind of a source of amusement. You know, it's kind of fun stuff. And if you choose to see the brighter side of that, it can make you giggle, as opposed to taking offense. You know, I'm real anal and detail-oriented. Beverly's not. And I used to really bother me. And now I find a joint. I, I was telling someone today the story, the true story, this happened. I got a phone call one day. She's like, honey, could you pick up Island Brothers for the kids tonight for dinner on the way home? And I'm like, ah, that's going to be difficult. She goes, why? I go, I'm in Toronto. 
for the last two days. And she's like, I misplace little things all the time. <laughs> little Irishman. You gotta laugh. You gotta enjoy it. And you have to smile. And it is a good life. Would you guys agree? And we can choose to be happy. And I shared with you some of these fabulous characters from our history who were talking about happiness. It's not some modern psychology. It's not some modern thing. Okay? Founding fathers said you've got to pursue happiness. And one of those founding fathers said you've got to go catch it. It's a commitment and it's courageous. And you know what? I'm going to tell you, I come out here, you all make me happy. I am so fired up by the fact that you guys want to grow that you guys want it and that you guys are doers and that you are appliers and I know so many of your stories and I know how many of you are taking other people with you in the carpool lane to the good life. And I see it all the time. It is a good life. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's show. I hope it made you happy. You know what makes me happy? When you run over to iTunes and leave a review. I love hearing your feedback, and the reviews really help us spread the word. Another thing that makes me happy is we want to influence as many people as we can. We want to help as many people as we can with their happiness plan. So if you're enjoying the Brian Buffini Show, would you do me a favor? Would you share it with a friend and let them know, hey, there's a free resource you can listen to. They're not pitching us stuff left and right. It's good content. Check it out. I'd love you to do that, and I think it'll bless them. So as I finish uh, here today, I'm going to leave you with a little Irish blessing that my grandfather always said. And you know what? When I say this, I feel happy. May the roads rise up to meet you, and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sunshine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. We'll see you next time. God bless.